Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here with you guys. Um, I'm going to tell you something about your pastors that they won't say about themselves. But first of all, for those of you who accepted Christ today, I had my eyes closed. I don't know who you are. But I want to encourage you to get plugged into a church. And I want to tell you that City Lift Church is an amazing church to get plugged into because the pastors, Pastor Matt and Alyssa, my favorite thing about them, I, I really look up to them. I really do look up to them, too, because I'm five feet tall, so I actually look up to them. But, um, but I also look up to them spiritually and as a young family because they are normal people. And I don't want you to get confused. I'm not calling them average or mediocre, but they are normal. They are not robotic people, you know, that you go and you try to get advice, and they're like, that is not from the Lord. Like, they are normal people, and you can feel that in the services here. If you haven't been to many churches, you might not be able to differentiate, but the freedom that you have to worship here, the freedom that you have um, when they're singing the worship songs and a service starts, that's not everywhere. So if you're part of the leadership here, appreciate that, love that, lift up your pastors, stay put. And if you're new here, get plugged in because that's not everywhere. You're lucky if you find it. You're lucky if you have it. Um, so definitely soak it all in. Come next Sunday. Um, I won't be here because my husband and I, we pastor at another church. It feels like across the globe, all the way in the Everglades, um, basically, right? Literally um, in our church, like on random Sundays, there'll be alligators and there'll be foxes and there'll be like random things from the, like from the Everglades. But um, so we pastor all the way on the other side of the globe, but we always have you guys in our hearts and in our minds and we love you guys very much. So thank you for the opportunity to come speak, Pastor Matt and Alyssa. And Alyssa. Today we're going to be speaking on, as you guys probably already know, on rats. Really awful thoughts. And I love that when Pastor Matt texted us and told us that that's what the name of the series was. I loved it and I hated it because if there's one thing you need to know about me, I have a rat phobia. I, like a true South Florida girl, I can see a lizard, I won't flinch. I could see a cockroach, I won't flinch. I could see a spider, I won't flinch. Or I don't know if that's just me. But if I see a rat, or anything like a rat, like it could be hamster, gerbil, <laughs> bunnies are almost, like they're almost there. Like I can't handle it. And it made me think our thoughts are kind of like rats. Like the fact that you see a rat in your house, I don't know if there's ever been a rat in your house. Me, living in the Everglades, there has been a rat in my house before, never in, in my house with my husband, but I remember when I was living with my dad, he lives in like a big, wide open thing, and rats would get in our house. But when a rat gets in your house, you don't say like, oh, well, I guess that's there. That sucks. I guess we live together now. You know, you don't say that. When a rat gets in your house, what's the first thing you do? You figure, okay, yeah, that, that's the first thing you do. <laughs> if you're me, yeah, you scream and run. But you figure out how am I going to get this thing out of my house because I'm not going to let it live here just because it got here. And it's the same thing with your thoughts. Just because a thought wanders into your mind doesn't mean it has to live there for the rest of your life. And it's so important to know that because how you react to your thoughts has everything to do with your attitude and your perspective towards what thoughts are. There are people who for some reason, or you know, we're taught by the world or we just, we don't know any better. We think of thoughts as these things that can make them, make their homes in our minds and we can't get them out. And because we think of them that way, we let them stay there a lot longer than they're supposed to. And we let them do things that they should not be allowed to do. 
I'm going to give you another example. Does anybody in here have pets? So there's two kinds of pets own, pet owners. There's me. I'm the most laid back pet owner, right? So like my little dog, I have a little Shih Tzu mixed with a Chihuahua. So that should tell you right there how annoying she can get. Um, we got this dog for free. True story. Like someone said, you want this dog? We were like, no. And they were like, okay, well, hold her for a few days. And then I fell in love with her. And I basically let her run our house, right? So she gets up on our couch. And my response is always like, well, she's a dog. She's going to do that. And then she starts barking at the guests. And I'm always like, well, she's a dog. She's going to do that. And she does like all these things that she's not supposed to do. And I'm like, well, she's a dog. She's going to do that. Then you go over to my dad's house. He lives five minutes away from me. And I have a dad. I have two brothers. And both my, all three, my dad and my two brothers are convinced that they are some types of disciples of Caesar Milan. You guys know who Caesar Milan is? So they train dogs and rehabilitate, pe rehabilitate people, right? So every, that's Caesar Milan's, you know, phrase. And they love to watch Caesar Milan. Like they have all his things down packed. They're like, and they like, they do all these things to the dogs. And then everything the dog does, they're like, that's a sign of dominance. Take it out. Take it out. You got to take that attitude out. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like anything their dog does, like I actually feel bad for him. Like I always want to rescue him. So I'm like, this dog is living in Nazi Germany. Like the poor dog can't do anything. But I will say this, and I won't admit it in front of my dad or my brothers, but obviously their dog behaves a lot better than mine does because they don't allow it. They don't look at their dog and say, well, it's a dog. It's going to do that. They train their dog to act the way they want it to act. And let me tell you, your mind is like your dog. You can train your mind to act the way you want it to act. And there are two different kinds of people. The kind of people who let rats live and run wild and go crazy in their mind and let their mind and their thoughts and their heart and their emotions dictate everything they're going to do. Those people live all over the place. Because one day you wake up and you'll have a thought that tells you go for it. And then the next day you'll wake up and you'll have a thought that tells you no, you're scared. And then the next day you'll wake up and you'll have a thought that says, well, everything's going to be okay. And then the next day you'll wake up and the thought will say, no, it's not. And if you let your emotions and your thoughts, and here's why I'm talking about thoughts and emotions. Because whatever you think eventually becomes how you feel. You think enough about something and you let it make its, itself um, part of your identity. You let it make itself home, make its home in your brain, in your mind, and eventually it will become your emotions. And eventually your emotions will become how you act towards something. So when you, if you don't want to see yourself acting a certain way, you have to catch the thought at the beginning and nip it in the bud. Or you have to change it. You have to train it. You have to Caesar Milan it like my dad does to his dog. You know, his dog won't run away. Mine runs wherever she wants. His dog won't get on the couch. Mine does whatever she wants. His dog is not super annoying. Mine, honestly, is looking for a home. If you guys want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sort of. Um, so today we're going to talk three things, three attitudes that you should have towards your thoughts. Let's not be people anymore that look at our thoughts and say, oh, you know what? It's just going to be like that. You know what? I'm just, a, I'm just an anxiety-filled person. I'm just going to have anxiety. You know what? I'm just, I'm just a sad person. Some, you know, I just, I'm prone to depression. It is what, I, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't know if any of you guys here are fans of the Enneagram. I'm a super fan of the Enneagram, but here's the only thing I'm not a fan of. The Enneagram is about getting better. So there are people, you know, I'm constantly talking to people in my youth because they're just like, oh, just excuse me, I'm an eight. <laughs> and I'm like, you're an eight, but the Holy Spirit says to... Get that together. You know, no hate to the eights. 
but, you know, I'm a three, you know, for any threes out there? I think Pastor Matt's a three, right? Okay, we're the only ones. We'll have a support group after, <laughs> after service. But, you know, one of the things the Enneagram says is, you know, threes can be deceitful. Well, that doesn't give me a license to be deceitful. That's showing me something that I need to change and I need to make sure I don't do in my life. And it's all about the perspective you take. It's all about what you're willing to allow. So three perspectives, three attitudes that you should have towards your rats, towards your really awful thoughts, whatever they may be. I know I dealt for a long time, I dealt with anxiety. Um, that was like one of my things. Like I just, I thought everything was going to go wrong. Every phone call I had, I, I went through um, something kind of traumatic in my family. My mom passed away about six years ago. And after that, every time I got a phone call, I thought someone was like, I really thought somebody was going to die. I mean, it, it sounds, I can laugh about it now, but it's actually not that funny. But I thought something was wrong. Every time somebody would call me, every time, if, if you texted me twice, that's it. I was like going to have a panic attack. Like people would text me and they'd be like, hey, Vanessa, Vanessa, are you there? And I'd be like, what, what happened? Who died? What's going on? And Anxiety for a while ran my life until I learned to have a proper perspective on my thoughts. So three things, three attitudes, three things you should know about what you think. The first is you don't have to believe everything you think. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you grew up that way doesn't mean it's true. Just because your parents taught it to you doesn't mean it's true. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to 6. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God. So there are different kinds of knowledge, right? I mean, there are people, again, we pastor young adults, and one of the biggest things we get is we say, you know, what do you think marriage is for? And they're like, well, you know, my truth is that marriage is to make me happy. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that's your truth, but your truth is wrong. You know, and we live in a generation where it's like, you have a truth, you have a truth, everybody has a truth. But no, there's only one truth. And when a truth comes up in your brain, and that's your truth... We are called by 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6 to raise it against the knowledge of God. So it's to ask, what does God say is true about this? Because, yes, something might have crept into my mind telling me, have anxiety. Everything's going to go wrong. I remember when I was pregnant with my first baby. I'm pregnant now with my second and third baby. So I have an eight-month-old son, and he will be a year and two months when I have twins. But we, we don't know the genders yet. So keep me in your prayers, obviously. But um, this second pregnancy is so much better because I have a completely different thought process. But if anybody's ever been a first-time mom, and I also I went through miscarriages before I had my son Levi, everything that happened, I wanted to go to the hospital, right? So like it was like, uh, my toe hurts. Should I call Dr. Bridgewater? Um, you know, I, I would tell my husband, I'd be like, I'm kind of more thirsty than I was yesterday. And then the worst thing happens is when they tell you you're getting towards the end of your pregnancy and they're like, kick count, do a kick count. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, it was nine instead of 10. Yesterday it was 10 and I don't know what's going on and maybe we should call somebody and maybe we should do something. But just because I thought something bad was gonna happen doesn't actually mean that something bad was gonna happen. Just because the thought crept in doesn't mean it's true. You have to learn how to raise your thoughts against the knowledge of God. So it's asking yourself, what does God say is going to happen? Because God says that he's in control of my body, of my sons and daughters, of, of everything that I do. God says that he's a healer, so I'm not going to stay sick forever. God says, is anybody following me? 
And what God says is more important than what you think, whether you think it or not. So let's let go of that idea of, well, like, you know, my truth and then, you know, what, what I think. I remember I used to have um, a girl in our young adult that every time I would tell her something, I would be like, well, you know, in the Bible, technically that's sin. And she'll be like, yeah, but not to me. And I'll be like, well, it doesn't really matter what it is to you. God says it's sin. It's sin. It is what it is. And listen to what it says. If you keep on going, it says, raise it against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not punishing yourself. You're punishing your thoughts. When a thought raises up in your mind and you determine that it is not, it is not going um, in the same line, it is not going head to head with the knowledge of Christ, you take it captive and you force it out of your mind. And this is something that you have the power to do. The world will tell you you don't. People who don't know any better and it's not their fault, they will tell you you don't. Well, you can't help how you feel. Well, you can't help who you love. Well, you can't help what you do. Yes, you can. You can take every single thought that you have captive. You may be thinking you're a failure. You can take that thought and you could say, I will not think I'm a failure. And if you have to do it a thousand times a day, you have to do it a thousand times a day. I remember when I was dealing with anxiety, that was one thing I would do. I would carry this verse around, um, this one and another one in Philippians. I would carry them around in sticky notes. And every time I felt anxious, you know, you feel, has anybody in here ever dealt with anxiety? You feel your, your heart like the heart starts first, right, and then the sweat, and then like it's, it's like a process. So when I would feel the first little bit, when I would feel, I would, take out my, I would take out my Bible verses and I would say, I take this captive right now. I am not nervous. I am not anxious. I'm going to go about my day. And I would force myself to go about my day. Why? Because I'm so amazing? No, because I understand that just because it got in there doesn't mean it gets to stay. It doesn't get to stay. The second thing Oh, wait, before I go on, Romans 12, 2, in that same point, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to the way the world thinks. Anxiety is a big thing in our generation right now. Fear is a big thing in our generation right now. And if you go on social media, everyone will lead you to believe that you have to live with it, but you don't have to conform to that. You don't have to do it just because everybody else is doing it. Listen to what it says. It says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Have you guys ever tested your thoughts? Has a thought ever popped into your mind where you say, you know what, let me test this real quick. Does the Bible say it? Does the Holy Spirit say it? Is it good for me? Listen to what it says here. It says good, acceptable, and perfect. If a thought pops into your mind and it is not good, acceptable, or perfect, kick it out. Kick it out. You don't have to believe everything you, you hear. You don't have to believe everything you think. You don't have to believe everything you feel. Remember, your thoughts become your emotions. Even that's another thing I've learned, um, you know, learning about the Enneagram. When you learn about the Enneagram, you become Enneagram obsessed. It's like a lot. Like everything, like that's it. It's all you can talk about anymore. So I apologize. It's like vegans. You know, they become vegan and then like they, they can't. Like they're like, this water, you know, but you know I'm vegan. And you're like, yeah, but it's water. Um, you didn't have to bring that up right now. But um, they just, yeah, it's intense. But so another thing I've learned from 
looking at the Enneagram is that there are things that happened to us in our childhood that turned into the way we process emotions about ourselves. Those were thoughts when we were little, and we kept on thinking them, and we kept on thinking them, and nobody corrected them. And, you know, our parents, without knowing, didn't tell us, hey, that's not true. I don't only love you when you achieve, or I am going to be here for the rest of your life, or I'm not going to abandon you. And when because nobody corrected those thoughts, they became how we feel. And now as adults, unfortunately, many of us, we let those emotions run our entire lives. And they come, most of what people do, or a lot of what people do, come from scars and issues that came up in their childhood that were wrong. I, I was talking to one of my family members the other day, and we were talking about another family member. And um, she asked me, she was like, didn't you just always feel like she hated you? And I was like, no, I didn't feel that at all. She's like, for real? She's like, I always thought she hated all of us. And so I was always like distant from her and I was always, you know, whatever. And I was like, I always thought she was cool with me. That's why we still have a good, a good relationship. And we have a totally different perspective on the same experience. But hers makes her act a completely different way because she never corrected her thinking. So you don't need to believe everything you think. The second thing is you don't need to act on everything you think. So you may think it, and maybe the Holy Spirit and, and God, you know, you're going to him, you're taking it to him, you're trying to keep, take it captive. I'm not going to tell you this is easy. Some thoughts we've been thinking for many, many years, and it takes us years, you know, in the presence of God, or it, it won't take years in the presence of God, but it takes time and a process in the presence of God to change our way of thinking. But even as you're in the process of changing your way of thinking, now you can already stop acting on those things that you think. Does that make sense? So just because you feel a little worthless doesn't mean you need to go out and find someone to sleep with. Just because you're not feeling well, you know, that day or you're feeling down doesn't mean you should go to the bar and get hammered like you used to. You don't need to act on the things that you think. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 29, 11. It says, only a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So there are thoughts that you're going to have that instead of giving full vent and letting yourself go haywire and saying, well, you know, my boss told me I was stupid. I probably am stupid. I don't think I'm worth anything. I should just drop everything in the ministry and I'll call Matt and Alyssa today and tell them I'm not going to make it on Sunday. And instead of giving it full vent, hold it back. Hold it back. Don't act. Don't make decisions out of emotion. Don't make decisions out of thoughts that are coming up that have not been tested against the knowledge of God discern what is right and what is wrong. And you might be like, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you're a pastor. You're no, everybody has trouble with it. But it's taking it to the Holy Spirit, taking it to someone wiser than you. Take it to Pastor Matt. Take it to Pastor Listen. Say, listen, this thought's been coming up over and over and over. And, and bounce it off of somebody. Don't bounce it off of the craziest person you know because you know they're going to tell you what, what you want to hear. Don't bounce it off of 15 people either and then pick the one person that told you what you want to hear. Listen to what other people have to think about your thoughts. I'm not saying you have to tell everybody everything you're thinking. But if you have a thought that you're not sure comes from God or comes from the enemy, ask someone who's wiser than you. Find, this is something I do a lot with, with the people in our church. I say, find it for me in the Bible. You know, they'll come and they'll be like, you know, I just feel like I need to do this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, where's your biblical support? No, no, you know, I just feel like it. And I'm like, oh, okay. When you bring me biblical support, I'll believe you. If not, have a good day. Do whatever you want. But, I mean, you're going to do whatever you want anyway. But if you don't have biblical support, then it's just something you feel. It's just something you think. And it's not worth acting on. 2 Corinthians 10.5. 
Oh, sorry, I already read that. It says, we destroy every lofty argument. We take captive things that are not according to the word of God. The third thing, it says, whatever or whatever you fixate on will grow. So the first thing is you don't have to believe everything you think. The second thing is you don't need to act on everything you think. And the third thing is whatever you fixate on will grow. If you let a thought build a nest, you know, we can't, have you ever heard that saying, we can't avoid birds flying overhead, but we can avoid them making a nest in our hair. You can, thoughts are going to attack you all the time. That is the way the enemy attacks. He attacks us through thoughts, especially if you're a born-again Christian. He can't touch you. He can't, you know, go in and, and mess up everything in your life. He can't come against you in that way. But the closest way he can get to you is by throwing little thoughts your way. And you have a choice to either accept them or not fixate on them. Whatever you fixate on will go. Philippians 4, 8 to 9 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The Bible is telling you, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it's not making you happy, if it's not building you up, if it's not building your character, don't think about it. Because God wouldn't call us, God wouldn't tell us or command us to think about something if our thoughts were out of our control. Have you ever thought about that? He tells us, think about these things, do these things, feel these things, because we do have control over all three, our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. Only the enemy has convinced our generation that you just don't have control. Well, oh, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I just did it. You could help it. You chose not to. You could help it. But a thought popped into your head. You, you meditated on it. You marinated in it. You thought about it. You gave it attention. You did not take it captive. You did not throw it out. And it turned into something that you did. And it turned into, oftentimes, those kind of thoughts, they turn into a mistake. But the great thing is, the good news is, that it works the opposite way as well. If you have a negative thought and you come against it with a positive thought, if you go and you find a Bible verse, you know, nowadays we have, when I was little, when I was a little girl and, you know, Google wasn't such a thing, you know, my mom bought me a concordance and everybody has a concordance. And, like, if you wanted to find something in the Bible, you had to go and you had to look up, like, joy, peace. And, like, you had to look it up and then it will tell you all the Bible verses and you had to open your Bible each time. And, like, go to the different verses. You don't even have to do that anymore. Now you could literally say, what does the Bible say about joy? And you'll just go to a web page and it'll tell you 58 verses. And you're like, all right, good. Write it down. Write it in a notebook. Write it on a sticky note. Write it somewhere. Meditate on that thought because the opposite, you know, I told you about the way it can go badly, but it can go well the opposite way as well. Okay, I have thoughts of anxiety. I'm going to look up verses on joy. I'm going to read a book about joy. I'm going to constantly focus and meditate on joy. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to start feeling more joyful than I feel the anxiety because I'm fixating on the joy. I'm growing the joy. You know, I recently, um, the Lord spoke to me about two years ago about joy because I was going through a very dark season in my life. And he made me realize that we tend to see joy as an emotion, right? So we tend to see joy as something that either comes up 
If it comes up, great. If it doesn't, great. You know, if I went to Disney World that year, I might be happier than the year I didn't go, go to Disney World. And that it's completely dependent on our circumstances. But the way that God sees joy is he sees it as a fruit. That's why in Galatians it's called one of the fruits of the spirit. Now, how do you get fruit? Yeah, that's, that's a good answer. But you get fruit. If you want to make fruit, how do you make fruit? You have to plant a seed, you have to put water, you have to put effort into cultivating it, right? Like fruits don't just show up. You have to make them. I mean, obviously we in the 21st century, we don't make them. We go, you know, we go buy them. But in our own lives, in our spiritual lives, we have to make the joy. We have to make the peace. We have to make the love. And we make it with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's the water that waters it. But we have to plant the seed. We have to cultivate it. We have to take care of it. So you can't expect if negative thoughts are coming at you all day long and you're entertaining all the negative thoughts and you don't put anything positive in, well, guess what? You're only going to have negative thoughts. It is the positive thoughts when they outweigh the negative thoughts that changes how your mind looks. So like I imagine my mind as a garden, right? If I allow weeds to sprout up all over and I don't take them out, then I'm going to have an ugly garden. But if I'm constantly planting things that are beautiful, if I'm constantly focusing and cultivating and taking care of the things that are beautiful, then you know what? Eventually, my garden's going to look completely different because I'm eradicating the bad and I'm fostering and caring for what is good. And it seems so simple, but having peace and thinking differently and having joy and getting rid of those rats, those really awful thoughts, is really as simple as that. It is as simple as taking captive what is not according to the knowledge of God. And how do you learn to discern that? Honestly, by listening. Listen to the word. Because I, I love when, I, I don't love one, but I'm saying it sarcastically. I love when people come and they're like, you know, I just have all these negative thoughts. I have all this anxiety. I have all these toxic thoughts. I can't stop making mistakes. And I'm like, okay, when was the last time you went to your church? Like, I don't know, like six months ago. I'm like, when was the last time you heard a sermon? And they're like, I don't even know. I leave sometime before the sermon's done because I got to go get coffee. And you're just like, if you're not listening to the good, but you're constantly listening to the bad, what do you expect? James 4.8, and with this I'm finishing. It says, James 4.8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, you who are double-minded. What does it mean to be double-minded? It's every single one of us that struggle with the both thoughts. Only are you feeding both sides? Or are you learning to eradicate the side that you know doesn't go with what the Lord is trying to say to you, with what the Lord is teaching you, and fostering what God is trying to say to you? It says, cleanse your, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded. The Bible says there in the book of James that if you're double-minded, you're going to be tossed around. If you listen to everything you think, if you follow every impulse, if you let these rats make home in your heart, you're going to be tossed around. One day you're going to be up, the next day you're going to be down. One day you're going to be doing great, the next day you're going to be destroying everything you worked for. We live in a generation where so many people destroy their own relationships. So many people destroy their own careers. So many people destroy their own ministries. You know, God places them in a place and they're like, you know what, I feel today like I should go to another church. And then so they go to the other church. And then two weeks later they're like, well, you know, I feel today like I should go back. And then they come back. And something that God has been trying to do in you for years continues to take him years because you're so double-minded. 
Because every time something pops into your head, you give it full reign. But from here on out, I'd love for you guys to remember what it says in Proverbs where it says only a fool gives full vent to his thoughts. Only a fool. Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park. You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at City Lift Church.